Father, we just come before you this morning, and I thank you for each person that's gathered here. I thank you for each person that's joining us online, and and I just pray, Lord, that you would speak to us. I thank you uh, for the gift that you've given us, Lord, that you've given us life, that you've given us life to the fullest. And Lord, I thank you um, for your blood that was applied to save us from our sins. Lord, I pray that each and every one of us right now would just have a full awareness of your love and your grace for us. And today, as we, as we talk about worship, Lord, I pray that each one of us would open our hearts and hear from you. Help us not to get distracted. Help this not to be about us. Um, but Lord, we're here to glorify you. And so we give you everything we have now in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. And today we're starting a new series called Courageous Faith. And so sometimes we think of biblical characters, I I talk about this quite a bit, we think of biblical characters and their faith, we think of, uh, you know, David and Goliath and the the courage and the faith that he must have had to take on Goliath, we think of all these great biblical characters and, and, you know, just the boldness they have. And sometimes we can separate ourselves from those stories and think that that's something that was a biblical thing. I want you to know today that, that God wants us to have a courageous faith. And that God will give us courageous faith if we worship Him and we serve Him. And so, courageous faith is not about, we're going to look back at stories from Scripture, but I want you to understand, from these stories, I want you to learn how you can grow in your faith and be bold and courageous. So, so let's just start here. I, I haven't done this in a while, and I know you guys love it when I do this. You love it when I have you talk to each other. Super comfortable. <laughs> Nod your head if you love that. None of you are nodding your head. Okay. <laughs> That's all right. Well, listen, I haven't done it in a while, so I'm going to do it right now. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to share with somebody near you the last time you met or the most famous person you've ever met. Go ahead. Have you ever met a famous person? If, you, if you've never met a famous person, if you could meet one person, who would it be? Go ahead. Get, get involved. Talk to each other. You can talk to yourself if you want to. What famous person have you met? All right, so I, um, you, you, guys, you guys keep talking through the whole sermon if you want, but I'm going to keep going here. Um, I have this thought. I think we all handle these situations different. I, I don't know who you met. I'm, I heard you talking, so I know some of you have met famous people. But I think we all handle these things different, and I'm kind of curious. I, you don't need to tell me. But, but I want you to think about how did you react to meeting that famous person? Or if you could meet one person, if you have just a hero and you could meet that person, how would you respond? See, I think some of us maybe are like the go crazy, scream, probably, probably not most of us, but some of us would just go crazy. Some of us maybe would be, are, are there any selfie people in here? You'd immediately have to get a selfie. Okay, two of you, great. Um, <laughs> Some of us probably would just get really awkward and not know what to say and just make it really weird. How many of you are in here? A few of you, okay. So, so I'm just thinking, if you could meet somebody famous or if you could meet one person, how would you react? I remember several years ago, so there's an NBA player. His name is Luke Kennard. He's from the Franklin area, and he was playing basketball up there. This was several years ago, and so a group of us went to see him play because we knew he was going to be big time. He was going to Duke, and so we drove up there to see Luke Kennard play, and I remember sitting in that gym, and after the game, we're talking about an 18-year-old kid, 
And after the game, people are just flooding down there to talk to him, and there's grown men that are taking pictures with him. And I just thought, what in the world are we doing here? It, just think about, like, sometimes we're in awe of other people. And, and it, I really struggled with just, like, I'm not going to go up and ask an 18-year-old kid for his autograph. Maybe, maybe LeBron James back in the day, maybe. <laughs> but but I, I don't know about you. I'm the kind of person that, you know, I like to play it cool. If I meet someone, you know, it's not that big of a deal. It's a pleasure for you to meet me, not me to meet, you know, that sort of thing. No, I'm just kidding. But seriously, how would you respond? So our story today is a story of a woman. It's a story of several people, but really, today we're going to talk about worship. It's the story of a woman who encountered Jesus, and the only response she had was worship, full surrender worship. Listen, today, before we read God's Word, we, we're going to stand in a minute for the reading of God's Word because we believe that God speaks through His Word. More so than anything I can tell you or I can say, the Spirit wants to speak to you today. And, and here's the thing. We are supposed to be a people of worship, not of 18-year-old high school basketball players or famous movie stars. We were created to worship the Almighty God. And so today, as we see this story, I, I want you to be called into a deeper relationship and a deeper worship of Jesus Christ. So stand with me. Luke 7, verse 36 to 50, says, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume, and as she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on them. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? And Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. And Jesus said, you've judged correctly. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house, you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. And then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. And the other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Have a seat. Praise God for his word. So, so two characters I really want us to see today. We have, we have the religious Pharisee and his friends. We, he's identified in this as Simon, the Pharisee. And then we have a woman whose name we don't even know. It says, a sinful woman. 
So, so first, we have the religious leader, the Pharisees. So the Pharisees, if you're not familiar with all of the stuff, the Pharisees were like the religious. They were the best of the best. They knew the rules. They obeyed the rules. They looked the part. They knew God's word. I mean, they were the, the religious ones. And they, they were the in crowd when it came to religion and faith. And so we have this religious Pharisee who, who invites Jesus. Now, let's... let's What's happening here is Jesus has started doing ministry, and Jesus is doing some cool things. He's healed some people. He's even brought someone back from the dead. And so the Pharisees, the religious elites, are starting to notice this Jesus, and so they invite him to the house for dinner. Now, maybe I'm, maybe I'm taking some liberty here, but I think what's happening here is that we have the religious elites, the, you know, the in crowd, and they notice this up-and-coming guy, Jesus... And it's like, hey, we want to honor you by letting you come into our gathering. And so they invite him in. It's, it's not, this isn't a worship gathering. This isn't about them just falling at Jesus' feet. This is about them being religious and thinking, hey, that guy might belong with us. And so they invite him in. And that's the first people we see or the first person the religious elites. It's nice of them to invite Jesus in, right? It's nice of them to allow Jesus to be a part of their crowd. The second person we see is, like I said, a woman. We don't even know her name. It identifies her as a sinful woman. All right, let's have some more fun. I'm, I'm going to get this all out today, and then we're not going to do it for a while, because we got Friends Day next week, and I don't want to make your friends uncomfortable, so let's get it out of the way today. <laughs> If you were identified in the Bible, if they talked about you in the Bible, how would you be introduced? Go ahead, share that with someone next to you. How would you be introduced? The guy with a great sense of humor, the girl with a beautiful voice, the really nice, nice people, right? How would you be introduced? This woman is, so we have the religious elite. We have Simon the Pharisee. He knows all the rules. He obeys the rules. He looks the part. He is in and then we have this woman who all we know about her is that she is a sinful woman. You know what this means? This means everybody knew that she was a sinful woman. This wasn't just, it's not just telling you she was sinful. Everybody knew it. In fact, later the Pharisee, Simon says, if you only knew who she was. So we have two characters, the religious elite, and they invite Jesus into their gathering. And then we have this this sinful woman who seeks him out. It says when she learned that Jesus was going to be at the Pharisee's house, she had to go. And she went and she took an expensive jar of perfume and she stood at his feet and she wept at his feet and she dried his feet with her hair and she poured this perfume on Jesus' feet. Do you see the difference here? We've got the religious people who are, hey, Jesus, you're, you're doing some good stuff. I think you're worthy to come into our gathering. And we got this woman who just has to meet Jesus. So when I was a kid, we lived in Arlington, Texas. That's where the, the Texas Rangers play. And, and I'm telling you, I'm not one of those guys that goes crazy over autographs and stuff like this. But when I was a kid, the Texas Rangers played in Arlington. And we found out, we learned that the day after a game, if you went to a certain gate at the stadium, you could stand there and the players would come out. Now, there was a player that was playing for the Texas Rangers at the time. If there's anybody that was worthy of me going crazy over, 
I think it was this dude. You know who it is? Nolan Ryan. The old flamethrower. Seven no-hitters. He threw seven no-hitters. He pitched, I mean, like, these guys today pitch like five innings and get tired. Nolan would pitch like three days in a row if you let him and pitch the full game. I mean, this dude was amazing, and he's striking people out. The best Nolan memory. We know what it is, right? A batter charged the mound, and this old man, Nolan Ryan, got him in a headlock and just boom. <laughs> Not only was he great at striking guys out, but if they charged the mound, they were going to get a whooping. I mean, this dude was just like... If you're a boy living in Texas, like, this is the man. And, and so we, we learned that there was this way that we could meet him. And so what did we do? We had to go. We had to seek him out. And we went and we stood at that gate and he pulls out in his big truck and opens his window and signs an autograph. And wow, that's amazing. That's kind of what we're seeing here. The, the religious people, they notice Jesus. Hey, Jesus, why don't you come in? Come to our dinner party you're invited. The woman has to go see Jesus. She can't miss this opportunity. And, and so we got two people. This woman, when she got the opportunity, had to worship Jesus Christ. It wasn't convenient. She wasn't invited. She wasn't a part of the party. She just heard about it, and she had to go because this was Jesus. So we got two people. And I want to I ask you this question. Because the big question that this story, I think, is bringing to the forefront is this. How do we approach Jesus? We're here to do what? To hang out with our Christian friends and to look good, right? To wear our Sunday best and show off. We're here to worship. This is a worship service. We call it a worship service or a worship gathering or worship experience, whatever you call it. The purpose of us gathering today is to worship the Almighty God. And so we got two people here. We've got a group of religious elites that, you know, it's a casual invite. Jesus says, you, you didn't really do much for me. You didn't worship me. You didn't. And then we got this woman, a sinful woman. We don't even know her name. But everybody knows how sinful she is, and she can't help but to worship. Let me ask you again, how do we approach Jesus? See, I, I'll be honest with you, and, and I, you know I don't step on toes to step on toes, but I think sometimes we fall more in the religious leader camp. You know, we're, we're the religious people. We come to church. We worship. Some of you are here every week. Some of you, you know, come to small groups and connection class. Some of you know the scriptures, and, and sometimes we gather, and it feels to me, and, and I'm telling you this because I'm telling you for me this is true sometimes, that I get my focus off, and sometimes it feels like I'm saying, hey, Jesus, you're doing some really cool stuff out there. I'd like to invite you to come be a part of what we're doing here. That's what the religious people are doing you know who I want to be and who I need to be is the woman that can do nothing else but fall at Jesus' feet, that she seeks him out. How many of us seek out opportunities to worship? We've got these two people, and, and the woman comes and worships with everything she has. They had their own plans, but her only plan was to glorify and worship him, and so she came and fell at his feet. And you know my favorite part of this, right? She cries so much that her tears are falling all over his feet. I can relate with that. 
that's okay. She has to worship. And, and the religious people really didn't like that. They didn't like that this woman who, who didn't belong came in and worshiped. And, and it's, uh, Simon, the Pharisee, says, if this man were a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. See, this is, this, that statement has some bite, doesn't it? Has anyone ever criticized you? That's fun, isn't it? <laughs> Has anyone ever been harsh with you? That's fun, isn't it? This guy, Simon, the religious elite, I mean, he thought he, he, was, he was the in crowd. He was the good guy, right? And he says, if that prophet, there, there's three things that are wrong with this statement. Number one, he questions Jesus' authority. He says, if that guy were really a prophet, then he would know and he wouldn't accept that woman here. So he questions Jesus' authority and who he is. The second thing is, Simon thinks that that woman doesn't have a place. He says she's a sinful woman. She doesn't belong. And the third thing is that he has this self-righteousness that says, this is about me. There's a lot of negativity in this, and it's wrong. And so Jesus responds by telling a story. And listen, when Jesus tells stories, oftentimes he's telling these stories so that people can relate to them and put themselves into the stories and learn. And, and this is what we have here today. My prayer is that as you hear this story, that God will teach you and lead you and that you'll see yourself in it. So Jesus responds by telling this story. Verse 41, he says, two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. You know what Jesus is doing here, right? He's painting this picture and he says, one of them owed 500 denarii and the Pharisees right there are probably like, yeah, that's her. She's got a huge debt. She doesn't belong here. She's wrong. She's evil. But then he says, the other owed 50. And neither of them, verse 42, neither of them had money to pay him back. So what did he do? He forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Jesus is painting a picture. He's, painting, he's, he's telling a story that will help the Pharisees see themselves in it. You don't have to talk to each other about this. Keep this to yourself. This is probably better to keep to yourself. Where are you in this story? Where would you be? We're talking about religious elites. We're talking about a woman who just had to passionately worship Jesus. We're talking about somebody who owed 500 or somebody who owed 50. Where do we find ourselves in this story? And what I love is that what Jesus is saying here is, you guys think she doesn't belong. You guys think her debt is too big, but you don't get it. You have debt too. Both of them owed the moneylender, and neither of them could pay the debt. See, there's something wrong here. The religious people think that they're in. They think they're good enough. They, they're looking at her as if she doesn't deserve to be here. She's unworthy. And what Jesus does with this simple story is he says, listen, whether it's 500 or 50, you both owe. And, and let me just say this. I'll give you the bad news and then I'll give you the really good news. The bad news is all of us have debt, sin debt. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. Some of us, it's more visible, it's more out in the open, and maybe we would be talked at like that sinful woman. She's the bad guy. But all of us, even the most religious of us, 
have fallen short and been selfish and sinful. He says, both owed a debt. Neither could pay it. Here, here's the tough news. You can't pay your debt. No amount of good deeds, no amount of, of scripture memorization, no amount of church attendance can ever pay the price for your sin. But here's the really good news. When the moneylender sees that they can't pay the debt, what does the moneylender do? He forgives it. We all have sinned and owe a great debt. None of us can pay that debt, but Jesus has paid the debt in full. Praise God. Listen, I stand up here a pastor, and I tell you that I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God way too many times. And there's nothing I can do to save myself, but I have a Savior whose body and blood were given so that I could be forgiven, so my debt could be paid in full. And so Jesus then goes in and he compares them. He says, you have a problem with this woman? And he puts them next to each other and he says, listen, when I came into your house, you didn't give me water to wash. You didn't even give me water to wash my own feet. She was so passionately worshiping that her tears were, were pouring out on my feet. He says, he says, you didn't give me water for my feet. Um, you, didn't, you didn't even kiss me, but this woman couldn't stop kissing my feet. That's gross, right? But that's what we're talking about, passionate worship here. The, the religious people, they, they didn't even honor him with a kiss. Now, we don't do that in our day necessarily in this part of the world. But, but then that wasn't so you know, unheard of. But he says, you guys didn't even give me a kiss, and she couldn't help it. She couldn't stop kissing my feet. And the third thing, you didn't even put oil on my head, a sign of respect and honor. She poured out the most expensive jar of oil she could find onto my feet. See, the problem here is the religious people, it wasn't about Jesus. This wasn't worship. And the sinful woman who had fallen way short, all she could do was worship him. So, so I want to ask you this question again. How do you approach Jesus? What does this mean for us today? We're, we're, we're in a worship service. We come here to worship. But my question is, and, and I'll be honest and say sometimes I miss it, I think sometimes we, we come together, and this is our gathering, and, and we love God, and we know that Jesus is cool, and so we're like, hey, Jesus, you want to be a part of this thing that we've got going on? We'd like to invite you in, but just to warn you, I'm going to stand with my hands in my pocket, and I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to be like that guy up on stage that just looks like a baby all the time. Like, I'm not opening up my heart. I'm just going to stand here, and we're going to get through this, and I'm going to look good, and I'm going to look the part... And my fear is that sometimes we are shortchanging this gathering. And by the way, let, let's just get this out here. Sunday morning is not the only time that we're called to worship, right? This is when the body of Christ comes together to worship together. But every day we have the opportunity to worship him. And way too often I invite Jesus casually into my plans and my time. 
I got to tell you that what Jesus is trying to tell us is that, that we need to be like this woman. We need to be passionately seeking out opportunities to worship. How many of you get out of the bed Sunday morning and say, yes, I get to go to church? Awesome. Good. I'll take it. We need to be passionate about worshiping. We need to pour out everything we have. We, we don't come in. Listen, I know I talk about hands in the pocket. I'm a hands in the pocket guy. I do this while I preach sometimes. I, and I know we all express ourselves differently, but way too often we come in and it's our, our casual gathering of religious people and we casually invite Jesus to be a part of it. And I think what really honors and glorifies God is when we pour out everything we have. This lady shows us the way. And so the question is, how do we approach Jesus? Are we really worshiping or are we just letting him in on our thing? I think there's two reasons we see why we might struggle to worship, to truly worship. The first is that maybe we haven't fully repented. Maybe we haven't, I think this is where the Pharisees were. I, I don't think they understood the depth of their need of a Savior. See, they, they thought they were good. They said, hey, we follow the rules. We're not like that woman. We do all the right things. We know the law. We follow the law. We look the part. We're pretty good. And they didn't even realize the need they had for a Savior. And so when Jesus came, he was casually added to their gathering of religious elites. But the woman, the woman knew that she had nothing without Jesus. And, and so here's the, the deal. Sometimes I think maybe we forget the need of a Savior. I think we forget. See, see I've, I've got this theory that this whole 550 part of the story, that when Jesus says one owed 500 and one owed 50, I, I really don't think that Jesus is saying that some people are far worse than other people. Here's the deal. We all have a great debt. Every single one of us has sinned and fallen short, and we all need to come and lay it out and surrender and accept him as our Savior. I think that 50 is more about where their heart is than what they actually owe. So one reason that we might struggle to worship is that maybe we just haven't realized our need for a Savior. The second thing is maybe we've just forgotten. Maybe you've been around the church. Listen, I get it. We come to church every week, uh, some of us, and worship every week, and we've done this for, some of you have been here 60 years worshiping every week. Maybe it's easy to forget. Maybe it's easy to forget. But if you could go back to your lowest moments, and you could realize that our Savior died on a cross for our sins, it would remind us that we have the opportunity to worship today. They couldn't do it because they didn't know they needed it. And they struggled to see Jesus for who he was, their Savior. But she couldn't help it. She worshiped courageously. We talk about courageous faith. The, the courageous part of this is she wasn't invited. Imagine this. A woman that everybody knew was a sinful woman. I mean, she had a reputation. And she saw that Jesus was going to the religious people's house and showed up and gave everything. You want to talk about courage. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I worry way too much about what you guys are thinking. Sometimes I, I'm, I'm standing over there and we're singing. And, and I worry about what people are thinking. I'm just being honest with you. I'm sorry. 
I'm just being honest. We worry way too much. Otherwise, I think we would be way more expressive in worship. And listen, I know some of you are just kind of hands-in-the-pocket people, and maybe someday we'll get you to, like, take a hand out, maybe even do this whole thing, like, yeah, progress. But we, we don't live in a culture that, that worships God. And so even in, even in this gathering, sometimes I feel like there's a lid on it because we're worried about what the people around us are going to think. Sometimes I, I think God wants to bring us to an altar to lay things down, but we're too worried that people will think we're like that sinful woman. The sinful woman didn't care because she knew who she was and she wasn't trying to pretend. She just had to worship. Jesus goes on. She worshiped courageously. Sorry, I can't even see at this point. (laughs) Jesus goes on, verse 47, and says, Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Jesus' response is beautiful in the story. We have the woman that everybody knows Everybody knows her reputation, and we got the religious people who think they've got it all together. Jesus says, her sins are forgiven. Now, it's really important that we get this right. We get the order of this right. She is the model. She is the one that we should want to be in the story. We shouldn't want to be these religious people who just have our way and our thing. We should want to pour our praise out to God. And so what we're meant to do is see this and say, absolutely, I need to worship. I need to fall at his feet. She's the model. But, but I, wanna, I want you to get the order of this right. See, Jesus says, I got to find it. I'm sorry. Jesus says, <clears throat> I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven As her great love has shown. This is important for us to understand when it comes to worship. It doesn't say her sins have been forgiven because she came and worshiped. We need to get this right. This is important. We will not worship the right way if we get this backwards. We don't worship to try to earn God's love or forgiveness. God's love and forgiveness and grace has already been poured out for us, and we worship because of what's happened. So Jesus says, her sins are forgiven as you have seen from her worship. So I want you to get this today. You're not here to earn God's love. God loves you so much that he sent his only son to die on a cross so that your worst moments and your worst sins can be forgiven. And that's why we worship. That's why she came to worship. Because her sins are forgiven. That's what leads us to true worship. If you're trying to worship to earn it, it's going to fall flat every time. But if you understand God's amazing grace for you, you won't be able to help yourself. So so what happens? Verse 50, Jesus says to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. We have two people. We have religious people who invite Jesus casually into their thing and and you know what happens? They get upset, and they struggle, and they question who he is, and, and ultimately they miss it completely. And then we have this woman who says, if Jesus is there, I've got to be there. 
and I'm going to take the most expensive thing I can find, and I'm going to pour it at his feet because he has saved me. And Jesus says, your faith has saved you. Now go in peace. The beautiful part of this is the person that leaves in peace is not the religious people. It's the woman who pours out everything. She walks away in peace. What gives us real peace is worshiping, is laying everything out. He is the reason we worship. He's the one that's done it all. We just come and we pour it out. We pour out our worship to him. When we fully repent and worship with all our heart, we will have complete peace. Listen, today I, I want to ask you one more time, how do you approach Jesus? Today, he's here. He's with the worship team. Come on up. I want to invite you today to worship our Savior. I want to invite you today to do more than just stand there and passively sit there as we do our thing. I want to invite you to something much more than a casual gathering of religious people. I want to invite you to worship the Savior of the world, that one that loves you more than you will ever know. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing two songs. And please, please don't cheapen this moment. Your Savior, the Savior of the world, is here with us, and you have the opportunity to worship. How are you going to respond? Are you going to casually invite him in? Or are you going to lay it all out and worship? I'm not going to tell you how to respond. Listen, we're going to sing two songs and I want to invite you to respond how God leads you to. Maybe that looks like coming to an altar and just pouring it all out. Maybe it means bowing where you are. Maybe it means tears flowing on his feet. Maybe it means just humbling yourself completely. Maybe it's standing up and putting your hands up. That's not up to me but we're here to worship. So I want to invite you to worship your Savior. Don't miss it. Father, I pray that you would help us to be aware of your love and your grace and your presence. Help us to pour ourselves out to you now. We give you everything. I thank you, Lord, that you are my Savior. And I worship you today with everything I have. Love you, Lord, and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Respond as we sing.